Welcome, everybody, to Books with Cooks, a podcast for bookies and foodies. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Alex. And we're two cousins who are also best friends who love to read. Yeah. And I love to cook. And I cook to survive. We'll be reviewing, analyzing, sometimes overanalyzing, and discussing the books we're currently reading, as well as new and old recipes from our kitchen to yours. By the way, we're real people with real families. So you may hear cats, dogs, birds, babies, and husbands. So enjoy that bonus material. Now let's get booking and have a tasty chat. Hey, 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 listeners, if you're enjoying our podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred streaming service to help us reach more listeners and spread the word about our podcast. Hey, listeners, stick around at the end of this episode for some bloopers and bonus content. Before we get started, we want to include some trigger warnings. This book and the following discussion will include topics of violence, murder, child abuse, and animal abuse. So please be aware of that before you proceed. We also want you to be aware that there will be cursing and spoilers in this episode. So if that's something that you're sensitive to, or if you haven't read the book yet, you may want to skip this episode and come back to it in the future. Welcome back, everybody, to our book of the month for October. Hi, Jess. What are you snacking Hi. on? I can't believe it's a month already. I know. It went so fast. It did. It really did. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm actually I'm eating a lean bar from GNC. It's cookie dough. It's pretty good. I love these. They're low in sugar. They're low in carbs. And they taste pretty good. They taste like chocolate bars. So mm. I'm in. Yeah, it sounds good. And then I'm having a coffee with amaretto in it. Oh, me too. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have an funny. iced one today, though. Oh, and... nice. Yeah, it's an amaretto one. And I have some Triscuits with hummus. So. Wait, this is groundbreaking. This is like the first time we've ever had the same drink. I know. Yay! <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I almost went with the chocolate Milano too. I changed my mind at the last minute. I was like, nah, I'm feeling the amaretto today. Nice. So Yeah. Yeah. I was just so in the mood for it. It wasn't even, I was looking at them and I was like, no, this is the one today. Yeah. <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah. So what's new? Nothing except for this, you know, Jada asshole Smith drama on TikTok. Oh God. <laughs> I can't stand it. Okay. First of all, I can't take her. All right. She I... stresses me out. <laughs> She so many is, levels. She is a stressful person. I just don't understand. She literally came out of nowhere. Like, no, I haven't heard anybody talk about her since the, the slap, the infamous slap. And which was a lie. We know that that wasn't even real, but we knew that yeah, already. Yeah. But she literally just comes out of the woodwork out of nowhere. And it's just like, me and Will haven't been together for seven years. She, Where, what even is a relationship? Like, I, What is she even talking about? I don't even know. She is a narcissist. Okay. And she is abusive to him. Yeah. Okay. She is very abusive to him. She's been abusive to him. Feel bad for the guy. He threw her like a million dollar party and um, it took him like three years to make sure he got it perfectly right for her to make wow. sure it's perfect for her. And Aww. as soon as it was all said and, you know, and done and it was the day of or whatever. And she walked in and she was like, "Ugh, this is your ego or something like she attacked him. Oh my God. And I was, and he like, then they, what I don't like the most is not even just that is that she airs out all of her business yeah for like, no you know reason, what i mean nobody stop asked. talking about your marriage and your relationship and like abusing this guy yeah. you know like have you ever liked him 
I know that's a good point because I saw somebody posted on TikTok like a montage of their relationship and there were all these clips of him like giving her a kiss or like hugging her or like looking at her so lovingly and she was constantly snubbing him. So like he would go to give her a kiss and she would just like turn her head or like move away from him or like get annoyed or push him away. And I was like, damn, that yeah. doesn't, I would be so upset if like Rob did that to me, especially on camera in front of thousands of people, like millions of people is just... I don't know. It didn't seem right. Uh, it's disturbing, too, that not only did she cheat on him and the world knows about it, but she cheated on him with her son's friend. I know. It's so creepy. It's so creepy. It's predatory. Is what Come it is. on. I know. Okay. I don't know. She has an ego. I just don't understand why, because I don't. Do I even know a single movie that she's ever been in besides? No. no. Was she in The Nutty Professor or yes, that was somebody else? she was else? in The Nutty Professor. Okay. That was like the only movie that she was relevant in. And she was also in The Matrix only because Aaliyah died. Okay. And they had to refill her role. Okay. But I feel like she's literally only famous really because of her husband and who her husband is. Yeah. And yet she acts like he's some type of like vermin that she found in a, you know, a sewer somewhere and she has to like be Dude, burdened by him. You know but how like in Hollywood they have handlers? Mm -hmm. I think at this point that she never loved him and she's been his handler or something and they just had to have kids together or something because I feel bad for the kids. Maybe. She even like turned the kids against him. Yeah. All right. Willow doesn't like like her dad. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't that? know. I don't know anything about really Will Smith or their family, and only because you know, maybe, he, maybe he's a terrible. It out. Maybe he's a terrible person. Who knows? I don't. I don't know these people personally. True. The thing I want to know is who gives a shit. You know, like who who asked her? Who asked her any of this? It's who good was publicity like, for her book? Who That's told why. her to write a book? Who was like, yeah, I think the world wants to hear what you have to say about your your life. I like who was like, yeah, I think that sounds like a good idea. I no. feel like if I was friends with her, I'd be like, mm, honey, maybe just don't. You know, wait, but let's just talk about how unstable she is and the fact that she was friends with Tupac. All right, I'm going to bring back Tupac. Oh yeah. All right, yeah. which I was a big Tupac fan back yeah. in the day. Yeah. I love Tupac. She was bringing him up that he, that they were friends, and he ba basically, in like an interview, made it a point to stress the word friend that mm -hmm. Jada was a friend, and she was like, "Oh, after he died, oh, we were in love, and we were supposed to be together." Yeah. And then Willow, like, kind of wrote a letter to him, even though he's dead, wrote a letter to him and was like, "Oh, you're the only man my mother ever loved." Like, oh dude, my God. what? If I was Will, I'd be like, "Bye. Why don't you go in the grave and hang out with him? Because yeah. you're dead to me." <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's disturbing. That's all. I don't know. I just think she's unhinged. I agree with you, but I do have to say that this is making for some wonderful TikTok content. Oh yeah. And for anybody out there that's making it or has seen it, if you're the ones making it, just please keep it coming because it keeps me yes. entertained. It is yes. so funny. <laughs> I showed Alex the one she never seen next Friday, but I showed her um the one that they have Pinky in the background yeah. of her telling her to shut up, and it's hilarious. It's amazing. And then they, there was one the other day. You know how she supposedly has alopecia where she can't grow hair or whatever right. there was one the other day where somebody was trying to say that she was saying tupac had alopecia too and i was dead it's <laughs> <laughs> like can we leave this man alone He's i know dead really for like decades i feel like she's just name dropping him so that people think she sounds more relevant why are you even bringing him up like you said let this man rest in peace but also i feel like she's just doing it to so people will read her book so that people will be like yeah. oh she's gonna have secrets about tupac you well know? you know i knew that um the whole slap at the oscars was just to drum up mm. uh interest in the oscars because nobody cared about the oscars this year <laughs> yeah nobody cared. Right. and they had to drum up some some stuff or last year whenever the hell it was i think it was a few um, years and, ago yeah and then there was different angles where 
where they were both laughing and mm. you could tell it was fake. Okay. We're on to you guys. We know. These are actors. We're not stupid. <laughs> and then there was that thing too, where there was a video that had come out a while ago when I was in my conspiracy with the Hollywood. This popped up for me. So you yeah. didn't see this yet. <laughs> But I've been there. But yeah, no, there was a video that popped out of her filming and it was Will and he was getting upset. And she, he was like, this is my livelihood. I don't want this on. I don't want this out because, you know, I have to put this. This is my job. And she was like abusing him behind the camera and like manipulating him, gaslighting him. It was very yeah. uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't liked her. Yeah. And now with all of this, I'm just like, yeah, nah, I don't know. Run, Will. Run. Yeah. Seriously. Run for get your out life. <laughs> This guy's like, I'm not going to run. I'm just going to throw her a huge party. Maybe yeah. she'll love me one day. No. Who will? <laughs> it's, it makes him sound so pathetic. I know. <laughs> and again, we don't know these people, but if this is the case, run, Will. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> but I love how you put in here for a talking point is Jada assholes. <laughs> and I, 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 I was like, we got to talk about Jada Narcissist the other day. <laughs> Because I was like, it, you had texted me. First of all, I was already thinking it. I was like, I can't wait until our next snack time because we need to talk about these TikToks and Jada asshole Smith. And then you were like, can we talk about <laughs> Jada Narcissus Smith? And I was like, I'm putting it in the snack time. <laughs> we need to talk about it. Nice. Um, and I'm so glad we waited until snack time to talk about it because it was fun. But <laughs> I'd like to throw her ass on Needless Street. I know, right? <laughs> Oh, man. But rest in peace, Aaliyah. Aaliyah should have been in that role. Mm. You know what I mean? I never knew that. Yeah. yeah. First of all, she had no impact in the, in the Matrix. The Matrix movies are epic. I love them. I don't okay. even remember her in them. I she, I didn't. I only saw them once, though, when I was She wasn't like, in, in the first school. one. She was in the second and the third. Because okay. She was from Zion City, like the underground okay. city. And gotcha. um, any more than that information would be unnecessary and mm. just prove how much of a nerd I am. So we'll just <laughs> run away from that and move on. Um. <laughs> What else is new? Uh, I don't know. Not much. I've been just doing stuff around the house. My dad was here earlier and we're going to my brother's tomorrow to uh, celebrate my niece's first birthday. Yeah, it's just yeah. going to be like a little small thing with the grandparents and siblings. And yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then next week I go on vacation. So no, are you ready to, to start packing? No, I didn't start packing yet. But I did start thinking about what I might pack. <laughs> <laughs> did you make your list? I usually have my list set two days prior before packing. Yeah, I usually set up a, a spreadsheet. Of course um, you do. Yeah, but I haven't finalized it yet because I did order a couple of cover-ups and I want to wait until I get them to make sure they fit and look good before I decide if they're going to be going on the spreadsheet and therefore into a suitcase. So, Oh, you put the clothes on the spreadsheet and everything? I put, I put everything, yeah. Wow. I, I usually, usually, usually my list is just like clothes, this, that. I'll usually <laughs> map all out. Detailed I'll outfits. usually map out my outfits. Usually, it's not that bad for like a beach vacation, but like when I'm going on an excursion or something, I'm like, I need to know exactly what I'm going to be wearing that day, so I'm prepared. Don't judge me. I, I'm not I, judging I'm you. I'm not prepared. judging. <laughs> I'm a mood dresser though, so I have to bring a couple extra things because I might not be in the mood to wear that that day. Yeah, I'll bring alternatives. I, and I yeah. label them as such on the spreadsheet. Okay, it'll be like this is the outfit, but alternative top, alternative you know bottom, depending on my mood. Do you <laughs> also, get the comfort little, level. The little packing cubes. No. Oh, no. I highly recommend those. Yeah, uh, you can get them on Amazon. They're cheap, but mm -hmm. they they help you literally put everything all in one spot keep it organized and then it fits in your suitcase better yeah uh, maybe i'll think about it but i usually keep it pretty organized i'm not 
too cons- I'm, I'm only bringing like one carry on and then my backpack so i don't know okay yeah like honestly only five we- days <laughs> With beach stuff, yeah, it's it's lighter, so you yeah. can bring a carry-on. Yeah. I think I've trained myself now that unless it's like a super long trip or I'm going to like Guam, yeah. I don't need um, a big case anymore. Yeah. I usually, I, I never check a bag unless it's going to be over a week and I'm going to be doing a lot of like hiking or something like that because I might need like coats and boots and things that they just take up more space. Right. Uh, or if... Yeah, I'm going somewhere where I might not have access to certain things and like I need to you know, take my shampoo or something like that. Like, like I'm going to need my, shampoo. My, my big bottle, <laughs> you know, some like something along those lines, but I yeah. mean, you could beat you could beat the system and you could pour it into separate little bottles. Yeah. But then I have to have so many little bottles and it's annoying. So can, can we just it, talk it really about depends. that? How annoying that is. First of all, um, I'm not allowed to bring little things like that or um, a water bottle. Um, but the second I get in there, I could purchase as many as I want and bring them in. Does that yeah. make sense? They just want you to buy things in there. They it's don't care because, about that. It's because they know if you buy it there, it won't have explosives in it. They won't have like uh, the powder they, and stuff. They can't test my water bottle that I'm physically drinking for do you, explosives. Do you, Am I exploding after Do you I drink still want to drink it after they do whatever to test it? <laughs> You put it through the scanner. You could see things in there, right? I mean, it's a clear bottle. I don't care if they they scan my water bottle. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's sus and I don't like it. Yeah, it's annoying. All right. I I feel like it's just a scam. So this way I don't bring anything in and I have to purchase water from you guys because you know I'm going to be on a flight for a while. I'm going to be sitting there for two hours because it's domestic and you have to be there two hours before. Mm. So don't play with me, airports. What carry-on are you bringing? Are you you bringing the one that they gave you problems with? No. Okay. You learned your lesson? (laughs) Well, yeah, it's too hit or miss. I was like, one airport made me check it. The other one didn't give a shit. So I'm not going to risk it. I was like, I don't want to have to check a bag this time and, you know, delay anything. So we're just doing the, I made sure that they meet the TSA requirements. 14 by 9 by 22 or something like that. Okay. 14 by 22 by 9. Somebody was on our side that day, by the way. Mm -hmm. Not having you check it because if they would have checked it, it wouldn't have made it on the plane. We wouldn't have made it on the plane. We wouldn't have. If we would have had to go and wait in line and do the whole check process and then run back and go through security and all that shit, we would have missed our flight. That was amazing. (laughs) Amazing. It was a miracle. It was a miracle and it it was amazing and it was a good story because it worked out. Otherwise, it would have been a miserable story. (laughs) I know. And remember, I got so nervous because they did pull it aside and I thought that they were going to be like, you need to check this. And I was like, oh, damn it. This is such a pain in the ass. And then they were like, you can't have the suntan lotion. I was like, chuck it. I don't give a shit. Give me my pack and we're going. It was so easy going. They didn't care in Tampa. No, they didn't and that was shit. that was the best too because while we were in the air, um, while we were in the cab going to the airport, there was so much traffic, and me and Alex thought we were going to miss our flight, so we were so nervous looking up flights. Yeah, and there was no other flight going out that day. Yeah. There was one I think later on in Sarasota, so we'd have to drive there. But I think it was like only one the, ticket left or something. I remember the soonest flight I think we were able to get was going to be like the next morning at like eight yeah. or eight thirty or something. So I was I was about to call Danny and be like, hey. Hey, remember you said you yeah. wanted to show us around your, your hood because we're coming um that's literally what it, what would have happened we would yeah. have had to stay with diddy for a day yeah and i mean we would have had is either that or sleeping in the airport which i had to do once with my friend jen and it that was just the sounds worst. awful it was the absolute worst it, it was it was terrible why'd you have to sleep in the airport we were in vegas and we were leaving and our flight got delayed and it got pushed back until like the next morning and so we we were like well i guess we're just gonna chill in the airport until this flight is ready to go and that's what we did <laughs> that sucks is that when you guys went to see britney yeah good so i'm glad i missed it then because i've always yeah. regretted missing it oh <laughs> 
And now I'm like, all right, good. Honestly, I feel kind of bad. Like now that I saw her because I feel like all I was doing was contributing to, you know, her, her imprisonment and it makes me feel kind of guilty. So I don't know. I don't feel guilty. You didn't me. know. If you knew and then did it, that would be different. Yeah, but that would I'm be sure fucked up. There's a lot of things about this. So we will be reviewing Brittany's book eagerly <laughs> um, next month. But um, there's a few things. I won't get into details right now just because we'll talk about it during that episode. But I don't I don't know because I knew she came out and said she wanted to do a tell-all book. And I'm worried that this isn't going to be her tell-all book and somebody else pulling the strings here. So we'll mm. see. You know, I, I keep seeing all these things about Justin. And if they're going to try to focus on Justin, I feel like those are distractions. Because mm, yeah. who cares about that anymore? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We, we, won't, I, we won't really. I'm not 100% convinced that Brittany even wrote this book because. Well, she definitely had a ghostwriter. Obviously, she's telling her story. She didn't write it. I just, I just don't even know if she's organized enough in the brain to be able to like relay a lot of this. I don't know. I, don't I know. think she's imprisoned somewhere, but we won't go there right now. Yeah. Um, I, I have a feeling. We can get into our Britney conspiracies yeah. during our Britney episode. And, uh, and let me warn you that they will be strong. Okay. <laughs> I will not hold back in that yeah. episode. Um, I've been wanting to get these things out and these, I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not alone. Okay. There's a lot of people that have these feelings. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have some suspicions. I hope they're wrong. I would love to be proven wrong, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah. For now, this was a good month. I read some good books this month. Yeah. What was your uh what was your favorite? Uh my the favorite my favorite book that I finished this month would definitely be uh One Dark Window. I loved One Dark mm. Window, but my second favorite would be Belladonna, which okay. I also really like. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. I hold on. I have to I have to see real quick. Well, if you can't we even read remember so what you books. read, that's not good. We read so many books. Um <laughs> She's I, like, I don't know what I liked. I flew through so many books this month after not really having that many. Oh, no. I've been flying through them like the last few. I don't even know. I'm, I'm losing track of time. Hold on. We I've read a lot. We read One Dark time. Window. We read A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. There was I like that one. Um, Pretty Girls, Silent Patient. I reread Court of Mist and Fury, but I'm not going to include that because that was a reread. Mary. Um, okay. I think my favorite podcast book. Yeah, it's probably I mean, it has to be one dark window. I loved it. Of course. It's the best. I don't of even course. know why. But my favorite non podcast book, I think was Bloodmarked. Yeah, yeah. And I can't wait for that. That third book is supposed to come out, I think, in January. I'm looking forward to that. Nice. But One Dark Window, definitely. And we read some really good books in September. Yes. And I mean, One Dark Window really stands out. So it was amazing. It was one of my favorites of the year. And then you know what? I would say that one of my favorite non-podcast books was Belladonna, but it was so friggin' good yeah. that I told Alex she had to read it and it became a podcast. That book. was the same thing with One Dark Window. <laughs> That's so funny. I know. <laughs> We really like that genre, apparently. Yeah. Um, and Alex has some some more pages to go on Belladonna, but I think that you'll be satisfied. So Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't wait to read I, I can't wait to discuss it and I can't wait to read the next one. So yeah. better than I thought that book would be. Because after the Caraval debacle, yeah. I was I don't know. 
I was like, I don't know if I trust BookTok anymore. I know. I was telling you, I was like, I was almost afraid to start Belladonna because I was feeling so jaded and bitter because of Caraval, which I really was disappointed in. And then I started to read Lightlock. I don't even know. I think I got about 40% in. I'm not even sure. I might be further than that. And then I just decided to stop. I hated it. Um, and I was just feeling like really burned by the YA fantasy genre. But you were you were talking really highly of Belladonna. So I was like, I'm going to give it a chance. I have heard good things about it. And I'm glad I started it and I'm curious to see how it's going to end. And I think we're going to want to start Fox Glove oh, yeah. immediately. So. I loves it. I loves it. Loves it. Yeah. Um, and I don't love a book often where I'm like, I love it. Never yeah. read it again. Like, you know, like I love it. I love the characters. We'll, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. We've decided yeah. to uh, sneak it in there for next yeah. uh, next month's lineup. Yeah. Um, and we have an exciting month coming up. We I was just going to say. Are you, I, I feel like it's so difficult to choose for November for our podcast because we have two Twisted Crowns, we have Belladonna, and then we have Iron Flame. Like, how do you choose? And then our book of the month we have there, there. Yes. And for the bonus, we're going to do Brittany. I know. So... <laughs> It's the most and exciting how do you choose, month yet. How do you choose which one you're most excited for? I, I guess I don't know. I think I'm. I think I'm equally excited for Two Twisted Crowns and Iron Flame. I can't like decide that. Like I'm excited in different ways for both of in them. In different ways. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited in different ways for every single book next month because I'm excited as hell for Brittany because I want to disprove some things. Okay. So, you're I'm hilarious. excited. I want to hate read it. Yeah. So, <laughs> write it. But whatever. Um, I can't wait because I love Brittany anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then there, there, I did read uh, maybe two years ago and I loved right. it. Yeah. So I would love to read it again, especially from the podcast perspective. And I'm interested right. to see what your thoughts are on it. And yeah, that's I'm looking forward book. to that. It's about, um, you know, Native Americans in modern day society. So yeah. it should be a really good book. And uh, we won't have time for another book. No, I mean... <laughs> First of all, Iron Flame, I don't know how many pages it is. I'm assuming it's probably 700 or so. It's probably, I, I would say it's probably a little bit longer than Fourth Wing, if I had to guess. If anything, it's about the same. But so the, I'm really excited for Two Twisted Crowns. And I also know I'm going to get a conclusion with Two Twisted Crowns. So that makes me feel like excited. And then I know I'm going to be hopefully satisfied. How do you I, know it's, it's I am a excited. duology, though? It might be just the second book. No, it says it's a duology. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. that's how you know. But I mean, you never know. <laughs> She could end up saying like, just kidding, people want more. I'm going to give them more. But it, I don't like that because then it feels like you're just making the book for like fan service no. instead of because of the story needing it. Rachel Gillard Iron... did us dirty with that ending. I know. So I need I need more. I know. That's the but next then, book I'm reading. I can't wait. Iron Flame, I am excited for, but I'm also really scared for because I'm like, there's definitely going to be a cliffhanger. And then we're going to have to wait a year for the next book uh, and like do i want to put God. myself through that i don't know if i can emotionally handle it no i, need I mean to obviously i'm going to but brennan brendan brennan brennan um, i need to know is it brendan i don't remember <laughs> I don't remember. Brother, brother. I need to know about the brother, okay? About bro over there. Bro stuff. I need to know what happened. I need to know his deal. And I feel like we're going to get that in this. And I'm very excited about Two Twisted Crowns also because I think that it's written in different perspectives. I've seen Elm. So I'm thinking Elm's <gasps> perspective. And I'm No, stop. I'm that I'm makes excited. me so excited. Yes, when I was when I was going like this, it just said Elm on the top of a chapter. And I was like, oh, okay. oh that makes me so happy. I, I have my theories, as you guys know, about about Elm and the role he might play in this book, but I'm so excited if we're going to get a chapter from his perspective. I, I don't know if there'll be multiple or if it's going to be multiple perspectives, but I got excited as hell when I seen that and yeah. I refused to look at it even further because I don't want to get any, you know, spoilers. By but the way, I, I just feel looked like it we're up. also going to get other perspectives maybe. 
in fourth wing. Yeah. Yeah, we so, might. I think I that's why I don't she know. introduced Zayden at the end there. Mm. Plus, I miss my Zadie's aids. Mm. Eh. I like my I, I, I don't. I don't, th- I don't know if we're going to get other perspectives, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll that would see. be cool. I would like to see other perspectives. I looked it up, by the way, and it's Brennan. Okay. Because it was bothering I thought, me. I was like, I wait, which so. one is it? <laughs> thought so. Uh, yeah, but I'm excited to sell it for November. So let's do this. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys are excited too. Yeah. Amps up. Listen, listen to every episode. Every yeah. episode. <laughs> Uh, no, read along with us, though, because these are really good books. And if you haven't yeah. read Fourth Wing and if you haven't read One Dark Window, what are you doing? Yeah. Get on that. And if yeah. you waited this long and you had that willpower, then really, honestly, you're my hero. And just start reading them now because the next one's waiting for you. That's all. It's my inspirational speech <laughs> of the day. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's get into our horoscopes. We had a good conversation. <laughs> all right. So let's go to our monthly horoscopes. Woo-hoo, we're back. All right. Let's see what your forecast looks like for next month this is going to be of course for november and it's coming uh from a different website this time it's called chatelaine.com it's c-h-a-t-e-l-a-i-n-e.com so as usual for the book of the month episode if you're just listening for the first time uh we start out with our monthly horoscopes to see what's in store for everyone for the following month so we're going to put a link in our show notes for anyone in case you'd like to go see it there for yourself and you'd like to look at your future horoscopes there uh we're also going to give each sign a thanksgiving side dish for this month to get everyone ready to kick off november so let's start with our signs and you guys may recall that i am a taurus and alex i am a pisces so l- i'm a pisces shut <laughs> up <laughs> So let's start off with our fellow Taurus of Taurus. As you navigate your month ahead, consider seeking opportunities for collaboration and creating something beautiful with like-minded people. Be kind to yourself by allowing moments of indulgence and rest. Avoid overexertion and don't martyr yourself for recognition. In this delicate equilibrium, you'll discover the harmony of a fulfilling life enriched by fruitful collaborations, self-care, and the balanced interplay between work and rest. So Taurus, for this month, your Thanksgiving side dish is mashed potatoes. All right. So Pisces, my fellow Pisces, here's what's in store for you for November. The coming days will revive your sense of discipline and empower your desire for good health. Let grace and self-compassion flow like a gentle stream, soothing any aches, whether physical or emotional, you may bear. Watch as new beginnings unfurl, illuminating your life's path and career goals. A newfound curiosity for learning may awaken, drawing you into hopefully an enchanting, but at the very least diverting, realm of study. Your Thanksgiving Day side dish, sautéed spaghetti squash. Nice. Yeah. Okay, Capricorns. As you look ahead, there's a compelling desire for solitude, a hermit's sanctuary. Yet the company of loved ones also tugs at your heart. It's time to strike a balance. Your public life and career will bring moments of sweetness in the coming months. So embrace your solitude for clarity, but don't shy away from sharing joy with your people. Find a harmony between extroversion and introversion that enriches both your inner and outer worlds. Capricorns, your Thanksgiving side dish is stuffing. Enjoy. Okay, next up we have Aquarius. A yearning for sweet exploration calls to you, whether it's via travel or learning to expand your world and let your spirit soar. In the embrace of beloved friends and community, find rest and renewal. On the horizon, new beginnings in your life path and career aspirations are possible. 
Hope glimmers that burdens will soon resolve and move forward. As you tread an intricate path, look forward to overdue changes on the horizon. Your side dish, green bean casserole. All right, where are my Aries? Aries, in the month ahead, let the fabric of relationships weave much needed love into your life. Through the people who have your back, find comfort and process any grief or loss. And if the chance arises, seek an adventure beyond your mundane routines. For in the pulse of the unknown, you'll discover the vibrant colors of your life. This sense of renewal will hopefully keep your cold winter days warmer. Take on this chapter as a journey towards healing, growth, and rediscovering your life's rich diversity. Aries, your Thanksgiving side dish is corn pudding. Yum. Okay. All right. Next up, we have our Gemini's. As November unfolds, feel the thrill that comes with creative exploration. Fresh inspiration will invigorate and bring purpose to your work life. Feed it by nourishing your relationships, whether romantic love or friendship, and drawing energy from your friends and loved ones. Let their passion and creativity inform your personal and professional journeys. Gemini's, your side dish, sweet potatoes. All right, Cancers. In the month ahead, you'll find yourselves in a wrestling match with the demands of work and home responsibilities. Balance, dear Cancer, is the key between the thrill of ambition and the peace of sanctuary. Preserve your eagerness and energy by making time for the gentle embrace of rest and the simple joys of staying home, cocooned in coziness. I like that. It's a beautiful tightrope to walk. All right, Cancers, your Thanksgiving side dish, broccoli, cheddar, casserole. Mm. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, my Leos. In the month that lies ahead, seek the beauty in your local neighborhood. You'll uncover pleasant surprises hidden in plain sight. It's a good time to appreciate life's simple pleasures and have fun. Initiate projects within the comfort of your home, nurturing your creative spirit. Most importantly, cherish and nourish your important relationships. For in them, you'll find a renewal of hope and a sense of belonging. Leo's your Thanksgiving side dish, some homemade cranberry sauce. Mm. All right, Virgos, in the upcoming month, your life might offer a bit of flexibility, allowing you the chance to treat yourself. Consider supporting your local creators and businesses, making your indulgences even more meaningful. Your relationships, too, are on a transformative journey, evolving and maturing. Have trust in this process as you all grow stronger together, nurturing bonds that stand the test of time and trials. Virgos. Your Thanksgiving side dish, mac and cheese. Yum, yum, yum. Yeah, yummy. All right, Libras. As the new month unfolds, focus on crafting daily routines that enhance your life. Embody discipline, not as a restraint, but as a guiding hand toward your aspirations. Discover the resources you need to thrive, not just survive. Leave room for a gentle, unhurried pace, enjoying the sweetness of solitude. In the quiet dance of routine, you'll find the sweet mix of living more intentionally, your life a work of art, one day at a time. Your side dish, some scalloped potatoes. All right, Scorpios, get ready for a refreshing journey in this coming month. Holistic health is your passport to renewal, so nourish your body, mind, and spirit. Reevaluate your spending and prioritize financial stability. Seek the, quote, hermit time you crave for introspection and creative endeavors. As the universe provides you an opportunity to focus on your well-being, expect new beginnings. As the days unfold, your creative projects will bloom as long as you stay open to taking risks and going on adventures. 
Scorpio, your side dish, maple glazed carrots. Sounds so good. All right, Sagittarius. Last but certainly not least, for November, pay close attention to your sense of life direction and your overall health. Be prepared for past insights to resurface, possibly helping you navigate relationship challenges. Seek solace in the company of friends and your community for moments of relaxation and fun. This period is about self-discovery and resilience, where you'll face any hurdles with quiet strength. Remember, you have the capacity to persevere. Embrace the journey ahead. And your side dish, some buttermilk biscuits, which I would love right now. (laughs) Save some for me. Okay, so for our book of the month episode, we're going to borrow a game from our Thursday potty episodes. We're going to play a food related rapid fire round to keep it books with cooks esque. All right, so today's rapid fire appropriately is Halloween candy. Yay. Yay. So, Alex, let's go jump back to our childhood, remember our favorites, and try to call out as many as we can in two minutes. I'm about to set two minutes on the clock. Are you ready, girl? I'm ready. Let's do it. Ready? Five. Four, three, two, one, Halloween candy, go. Sour Patch Kids, Skittles, Mounds, Mike and Ike's. Crunch Bars, Skittles, um, oh, you said. Almond Joy. Uh, Starba- Starburst, uh, Mike and Ike's for dog. Butterfinger. Uh, Twix Bar is my favorite. Skittles? Oh, no, Snickers. we both said Skittles. What am I, Smarties? No, I didn't say Mine's Snickers. Good. Twix, Milky Way, what Three Musketeers. What are the Smarties, the harder ones? That's what she said. Sweet Tarts. I love Sweet, sweet Tarts. tarts. Love Nerds. Nerd uh, Ropes. Nerds. Yes. Twizzlers. Sour Patch Watermelons. Candy Corn. Candy Corn. Oh, the watermelon ones, yeah. Uh, um, Reese's. Uh, Kit Kats. Kit Kats. Kit Kats, yes. 100 Grand. Oh, yeah. Um, what are the are ones with five? Take five. Love those. Babe Ruth Bars. Just regular uh, Hershey Bars. Mounds. Did I say Crunch Bars already? I can't Stuff. remember. Peppermint Patty. Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, Reese's peanut butter cups. Did we say them? Yeah, I said those. Peanut, what um, about Reese's pieces? I did not say those. Oh, M&M's. M&M peanuts. M&M's M&M Whoppers. peanut butter. Oh, Whoppers. Uh, hmm. Milky yeah. Ways, did we say? Yeah, I think I said Milky Ways. Laffy Taffy? And shake that Laffy Taffy. <laughs> Laffy Taffy. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember uh, if I said it already, but Butterfingers. Did um, we say Three Musketeers? Twizzlers. Yeah, I said that. Payday. Payday. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of before. I was like, what's similar to Babe Ruth? Gummy Bears. Tootsie Rolls. Yes. Tootsie Rolls. Let me see that Tootsie Roll. I love that song too. Uh, Hershey's Milk Chocolate, Dark Chocolate, White Chocolate. Oh, ooh, the uh, Cookies and Cream Bars. The Cookies and Cream ones are good. Yeah. Oh, time's up. Okay. By the way, we good, didn't say I was running lollipops. Out. Oh, yeah. Tootsie Pops. Forgot about lollipops. <laughs> the Dum Dums. They're Dum Dum. Dum Dum. Yeah, if I didn't get a Twix when I was uh, trick-or-treating, I was furious. Twix was my only favorite chocolate bar. I wasn't really big on chocolate bars back in the day. Mm. Um, But I used to get really super excited if I got a bag of chips. Really? Yeah. Sometimes Um, you would get lucky and get a bag of chips. And I was like, these people are awesome. I used to hate the chips. And the worst to me were the pretzels. I was like, who wants a little bag of stupid pretzel? I hate pretzels. Um, (laughs) I'm like bitter about it. One time I got a toothbrush. Oh my God. That's just, just don't answer the door. If you're going to be handing out toothbrushes on Halloween, just don't answer your door and give out, like, don't give out anything, you know? Well, because you're a Bahambug. If you want to give me, like, you know, like a little baggie with candy in it and a toothbrush for after, then that's considerate, okay? But I really want, the, I want the candy. I yeah, kids. Toothbrush. kids I already have a toothbrush. toothbrush. Yeah. 
I know. Do you know when I was dating Quinn, he told me once that his dad one year for Halloween gave out like cans of beans from the pantry because he didn't have any cans. And I was like, just don't answer the door, dude. Like nobody wants a can of beans. First of all, that's heavy as hell to carry around. How Second many of all, cans gross. Of beans did he have on I have no idea. I have no idea. And then there's people that give out pennies. Like, what the fuck am I going to do with a penny, bro? What am I going to do with it? Keep your penny. Give me a Snickers. Like, you can't even buy cans. I can't buy anything with a penny. At least give me a buck. Just don't, just don't answer your door. Honestly, just don't answer it. Just keep it shut. Pretend you're not home. Put a sign on your door that says, sorry, no candy. Fun story. I remember, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember getting nacho twisters. What's a nacho twister? What the hell is wrong with you? Nacho (laughs) twisters. I've never heard of that in my life. Okay, so they're they're these little bag of uh, chips, but they're nacho twisters. They're like nacho flavored little Oh, they're like the Fritos, but they're twisties. And they're nacho flavored. Okay. And gotcha. apparently they were nacho thing because you didn't have any. I, I have had them actually. They're amazing. They're hard to find too. So when you do see them, you have to snatch. Okay. Immediately. The bagel store by my house has them. And every time I'm online, I'm like, oh, should I? Should I? <laughs> I don't. It's uh, like, hilarious. Usually, usually I don't. Maybe yeah. once out of every 10 visits, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> Alrighty. So before we discuss the book, let's go over the reviews for The Last House on Needless Street. We picked our favorite good and bad reviews in case anyone is on the fence about reading it. The Last House on Needless Street currently has an overall rating of 3.86 out of 5 on Goodreads and a 4.1 on Amazon with a publication date of 3.18.21. Jess? Let's start with our bad reviews. What do you have for us? All right, so it's a one star. There is a spoiler hidden behind a spoiler tag, but it's not appearing on mobile and is openly soiled. <laughs> so just a warning, whatever that means. Congratulations to The Last House on Needless Street for being the worst book I've read in two plus years. This book, absolute garbage. Poor writing, confusing plot, awful undeveloped characters, absolutely no atmosphere and ambiance. This was not good. The only positive I'll give this book is that There's one aspect of the end that I thought was well done. The rest, horrendous. I was spoiling this book to people because I genuinely did not realize the disassociative identity disorder aspect was a twist and not the plot. It was so poorly done, I can't fathom how this book got green light to publish it. But they said green lit, by the way. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how no one would have seen that coming from page two. Page two! As harsh as it sounds, I don't think I'll ever trust the reading taste of anyone who thought this was a good book. I genuinely threw my copy of it away, into the recycling bin at least, because I refuse to be the reason someone else buys it secondhand and reads it. Fucking horrendous. I what that? I feel like that person missed the whole point of the book. That wasn't the twist. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be the twist. It's revealed like halfway through the book. <laughs> they threw it in the recycle. They didn't throw it in the recycling because they didn't want anybody else to get it and read it. I just can't. so ridiculous. <laughs> also, it got really intense. Very true. I know. I know. Oh my god! I love these reviews because people are so passionate. Like. <laughs> I don't, I've never hated a book so much that I was like, I can't wait to go write a scathing review about it online. Like, just Maybe just keep going about your life. <laughs> All right. So I also have a one star. This person said, how do I describe how this book made me feel? You know, when you wake up from a long nap, feeling disoriented, even more tired and groggy than before, and you don't know where you are, what day, what month, year it is. That's how this book made me feel. I was so, it was so disjointed. I didn't understand what was going on and it was hard to follow, which I guess was also the point. So this book just wasn't for me. Okay. Okay. (laughs) 
not less not uh, much less intense yeah person. <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so how about those good reviews all right this is a five-star review uh but underneath it it says taking it back it's a four star so technically it's in between okay <laughs> seriously saying i feel like i'm sitting in a cardboard box and printed with this side up but it's not and my senses and my equilibrium have been tossed about in a horror storm. I've been pressed upon the sky and I no longer feel solid grounds. So dramatic. Wow. Catrion <laughs> uh, <laughs> Award is going to mess you, mess with you from the first page onward. Get off the tour bus now if you can't take this itinerary. Ward will take you down dark hallways that keep getting narrower and narrower. Not much space to even squirm around once you're in. But, you know, Ted's going to do some things. You're going to read some things and things do happen. And overall, it was all right. <laughs> You're going to read some things. He's going to do some things. Some things happen and you'll read it. There you go. The most informative review. Um, oh, my God. All time. This person doesn't know what they're talking about, which is why they don't even know what rating they want. To <laughs> yeah, right. they're, like, they're like, I read some words in this book. Uh, it's the so pages funny. Were, were flipped. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for us? I hope it's a little bit better. <laughs> so I also have a five star. This person said, my dear friends, please add this brilliant book to your reading list. Okay, I'm making quick connection, not only to add to your list, please read it. This is smart. This is so well written. This is finally out. First time I am out of words. Anything I may write about this book will be so worthless. None of the words come out of my mouth. Letters I click, sentences I try to form, or expressions I barely articulate will never be enough to reflect how I feel. I'm extremely flabbergasted, shocked, startled. And for the first time after I finish a horror, thriller, gothic, psychological thriller mystery, the good dances between all those genres, I deeply feel so sad. I deeply cared for characters. If I tell you more, I may give away more about the story. So I'm just shutting my mouth because I don't want to do anything affecting how you'll feel about this book. And I don't want to ruin your epic reading experience. Wow. So another pretty, uh, yeah, passionate, like review. <laughs> Serious. This person's like, I'm going to use all the adjectives. <laughs> yeah. I know. And lots of exclamation marks. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. By the way, this genre is all of the genres, apparently. I know. Horror, <laughs> it's like it never ends. Great. Oh my God. So funny. All right, so you've heard what other people have to say. Now here's our back flap. <laughs> the Last House on Needless Street should be the first book on your to-be-read list, Jess and Alex. Have you ever read a book about a talking cat that saves the day? No? Then read this book, Jess and Alex. Uh, there's going to be words, and you're going to read some <laughs> things. <laughs> and you're going to read this, Ted. You're going to read about him, uh, Jess and Alex. It's an interesting thing. It's a book and there's words and you'll read them and things will happen. It's a, it's a horror, thrilling, gothic, psychological thriller mystery. <laughs> oh my God. Jess and Alex. <laughs> Ted has a lot of friends, dot, dot, dot. Until he doesn't, dot, dot, dot. It's all him, dot, dot, dot. Have fun. I don't know. The last house on Needless Street, more like the last Ted in Ted's head. Wow. Jess and Alex. <laughs> About the last house on Needless Street has a lot of people just in one mind. <laughs> Read about Ted and all his friends in his head. Yes, and Alex. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Read about Ted and all his friends in his head. <laughs> all his friends in his head. 
Uh, how about last one? Ever want to get inside a cat's head? Well, you're not going to end this book because it's still dead. Just and Alex. <laughs> Nice. Okay. <laughs> oh man. All right. So first things first, let's tell you why we chose this book. We were looking for a good horror novel for spooky month. The cover is beautifully ominous and the premise sounded intriguing. Ooh, this book <laughs> also came highly recommended from Book Talk. And reviews suggested that the twist will take you by surprise. So we really needed to see if the hype was worth it. Yeah. All right, so now let's tell you what this book is about. The Last House on Needless Street is the tale of a man named Ted, his daughter Lauren, and his cat Olivia, who live in a dilapidated house at the end of Needless Street. Eleven years ago, a little girl, Lulu, went missing, and Ted was a suspect, though he was never arrested because he had an alibi. Lulu's sister, Dee, has doubts about Ted's innocence and is intent on discovering the truth about what happened to her little sister. She moves into the house next door to Ted's and quickly observes that something does not seem quite right on Needless Street. The Last House on Needless Street was written by Catriona Ward, an American and British international best-selling horror novelist. Caddy Wards was born in Washington, D.C., but grew up traveling. She's lived in the United States, Kenya, Madagascar, Yemen, and Morocco. She studied English at the University of Oxford and later received a master's degree in creative writing from the University of East Anglia. Caddy Ward has won the August Derleth Award for Best Horror Novel three times for her novels The Girl from Raw Blood, Little Eve, and The Last House on Needless Street. Her novel Little Eve also won the Shirley Jackson Award for Best Novel. All right, so let's talk about The Last House on Needless Street. Let's get started by sharing our thoughts on the characters. Who was your favorite and least favorite? And did you feel that they were overall well-developed? Well, since it was only really one person, um, I thought he was very, very developed because he had a lot of different uh, characters to him. So the book is really following Ted. He's got dissociative identity disorder. So a lot of the voices that we're hearing and a lot of the perspectives are truly just different sections of his mind. Uh, so I thought that my favorite character within Ted was definitely Olivia the cat. I thought she was hilarious. Um, I loved hearing what she had to say. I thought it was so true to how I would imagine a cat thinking. Um, there were times where she would say things and I was like, that's definitely what a cat would say. <laughs> so uh, I really appreciated a cat's perspective. I've never read a book where I had a cat's perspective and I really appreciated that. So Olivia would definitely be my favorite. I would say my least favorite was, I don't know. I had a lot of least favorites, <laughs> um, but these people had awesome names. Like there was Orange Juice Man and yeah. things like that. I, I would say maybe D. She annoyed me. Mm. Um, and I'm still confused as to whether D was real or part of Ted. I think it's supposed to be its she own was real character, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, she um, was real. But it, she had definitely had a mental disability as well. No? I don't think so. I don't know. Um, she was my least favorite. Like, um, I wasn't excited to read her, uh, but I was definitely excited to read everybody else. Lauren kind of annoyed me as well, so which is horrible because Lauren was supposed to be a kid. But that's yeah. also one of his personalities. But I don't know. How did you feel? I thought they were well-developed, though. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the characters were well-developed. Each one had a very distinct voice and backstory, and they all felt very distinct, which was very well done, in my opinion, by Catriona Ward, because they were all really part of the same person, but they were different personalities. And you felt that throughout the book. Olivia was also my favorite. She was hilarious. Okay. First of all, when she started talking about making her own little cat talk show, I died. I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever read. 
Um, and I would watch that show. I would love to watch Olivia as a talk show host. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> but I, I think I agree with you about Dee being my least favorite. I, I understood her character. I think she was well-developed. I just thought she was a bad person. <laughs> and so I just didn't really like her. Um, especially once we got towards the end, I, I didn't like her at all. So as we learned more about her in the beginning, I liked her more and I was interested in her story, but as the story continued to un unfold, I just liked her less and less throughout the story. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we got enough information about the mom for me to say, obviously she was horrific. She was a yeah. horrible person, but we didn't really get enough background on why she was that way. Well, we only knew what Ted knew, so he didn't really have any background information on her. I agree that she was a horrible human. Horrible. Um, she would have been if she I, I didn't really consider her a character because she was it was really just like Ted reflecting on her in the book. But if she had been a character, she would have been my least favorite. Definitely. I, I was going to say her and then I was like, I guess she's not really a character. So, yeah, she's an honorable mention, though. Yeah. A true piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about her more later, but just a really disgusting person. While reflecting on the disappearance of Lulu, Caddy Ward writes, There was a time, quote, when Dee would have thought that missing was better than dead, but the long years have taught her better, end quote. What are your thoughts on this sentiment? Yeah, I, I guess I can agree with that sentiment that it's better for some to just know if somebody is alive or, or dead versus just have them be missing because i think that's when your imagination starts over and you just constantly are wondering what's happening to this person and especially when it's been years you can just imagine just the absolute worst happening to this person for many many years at a time also i think that the closure is important because you need to you need to know at, at some point you need to know if you should give up hope you need you need to know if you should hold on to hope that you're going to see this person at some point and that can really take a, a toll on somebody so i think it's better to know definitively whether somebody is alive or dead than to just know that they're missing this kind of goes back to our discussion on pretty girls as well yeah yeah that's exactly what i was just gonna say this reminds me a lot of pretty girls same thing mm -hmm. you know um would you rather know that she's dead or would you rather go on hoping that she's alive somewhere living her life it's the same thing too like yes if i was in uh this situation and it was my sister which in both books pretty girls and this one it happens to be somebody's sister uh, I would want to know if the person was okay, if they made it, if they're alive. I wouldn't want to keep up hope, search for this person that's just not there. Uh, but maybe hold back the details. I don't want to know every little gory detail about it, um, but I would yeah. like the closure, like you said. Yeah, I agree with you about the details too. So throughout the novel, Ted often finds himself with gaps in his memory, making it difficult for him to know where he has been and what he has done. Do you think he should be held accountable for the actions that he has no recollection of committing? All right, so here's here's how I feel about Ted. I feel really bad for Ted, all right? I know Ted has his issues. There's a lot going on in his head, but that wasn't his fault. This is just a coping mechanism for his piece of shit mom who abused him and he had to zone out in a sense through some, that's why he created different characters characters in his mind he had to zone out to avoid this horrific abuse and I mean horrific um nightmare that he was persisting with as a child so the gaps in memory is understandable I mean who the hell wants to remember those things from your childhood but as a reader you know I found him unreliable yes it added to the mystery and I liked that but sometimes I was like wait what <laughs> it confused me it lost me a couple of times um and I didn't really love that 
but I don't think he should be held accountable for his actions because the, the poor kid, what did you expect him to do in those situations? I mean, what he faced was the most hor horrifying experience for a child, especially at the hands of your own mother who is supposed to love and you're supposed to trust and she's supposed to protect you. So uh, I don't I don't um, hold him accountable for his actions and I can understand completely why he doesn't want to remember things and why we get bits to pieces, why we get confusion. Uh, I think it all adds to his character and it kind of makes sense in his situation yeah yeah i liked that he was an unreliable narrator that added to the reading ex experience for me but i know that that seemed to be a gripe with a lot of people when i was going through the reviews and i think that's maybe just a personal preference whether you either like it or you don't but i agree with you um i it, this is such a complicated question because technically these it wasn't him committing these acts. It was another personality, which is a fully realized, it, it's like having another person living inside of you that has a full personality. You guys are just sharing a body. So yes, his body was the one that was doing whatever it was. You know, at some point we were thinking maybe Ted did kill somebody. Maybe he was a murderer. We didn't really know. I was thinking it was just one of his other personalities. But how do you go about convicting somebody like that? Because their body is the one that did it, but the personality isn't. So this is such a complicated question for me, I, I think Ted himself shouldn't be held accountable for the actions of his other personalities. However, I don't really, I, I think he need, he would need intense therapy. And I, I'm not really 100% sure on how to answer this question because I mean, morally, he's not accountable, but I just don't know how you go about holding somebody accountable in a situation like this because you know you can't separate that personality or soul out of the body. So what do you do? I don't know. All right, so let's talk about the relationships um, that he has in the novel. Which of Ted's relationships stood out to you most? And what about Dee's relationships throughout the novel as well? So obviously the relationships with Olivia and Lauren stick out the most because we see them the most prevalent throughout the novel, even though, you know, we later learn, obviously, they're just other facets of his mind. But I mean, I loved his relationship with Olivia. I was very confused about his relationship with Lauren throughout the book because I was like, is she a kidnapped child? Is she real? Is she fake? I, you know, I was pretty convinced she was fake. And then there was one was point. point. <laughs> yeah. And, th and then there was one point where I was like, oh, I think she's real. And she's the one with dissociative identity. So <laughs> it was like, well, I was all over the place with trying to understand these relationships. But I thought it was really interesting to see the power struggle between him and Lauren. And I really liked seeing the supportive relationship between him and Olivia. And then obviously his relationship with his mother. It was upsetting to read about, but it is something that stuck with me as well. So I guess those three really stood out to me the most. And then for Dee, her relationship, I mean, we don't really know much about her relationships. So I guess her relationship with Lulu stuck out to me, stood out to me the most. Um, I didn't like her relationship with Lulu, but it did seem realistic. Uh, she seemed to be much older than Lulu. She had to be at least um, like six or seven years older than her, maybe more. And it seemed like a realistic interactions uh, between her and a much younger sibling. You know, she was just like kind of annoyed that she was always around. She was annoyed that she had to, you know, watch her for her parents and things like that. And then once she goes missing, she feels responsible and needs, well, she was responsible in some capacity. And then she, you know, is just ridden with grief and on a journey to find her uh, for many years. It really ends up destroying her life, trying to find her sister. So I thought it was a realistic portrayal of two siblings and, uh, you know, 
it was fine. I didn't really love D, so I didn't really love her relationships and I didn't really love the way she treated Lulu. And yeah, but I mean, we didn't really see much between her parents. It didn't seem that great. And then the only other relationship I think we saw with her was the police officer, Karen. We never actually meet her. It's just, we learn about her through D's reflections. So yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, You know, cause he, Ted invents Olivia as a protection. So she's his protector. When he was younger, he mentions he wanted a cat. Mom wouldn't let him have a cat. Thank God, because mom's awful. Uh, But he invented this cat in order every time he was being abused to disappear into. So this way he wasn't feeling this abuse. And then even older, she protected him. Um, There's this thing we'll talk about a little later, I think, uh, with this cooler, this fridge, um, a freezer rather. Yeah. And uh, she feels comfortable in the freezer, Olivia, and going in there um, and you find out why. So uh, I feel like he invented um, Olivia as a protector. I feel like uh, he invented Lauren kind of to help him be the parent that he never got. So I feel like in his mind, maybe um, to Lauren, he could be a better parent than the one that he endured. Um, he never had a good parent, it seems. And also, um, you know, he never really grew up from the traumatic childhood that he endured so i feel like lauren is also a piece of that in a way it's interesting Mm -hmm. that lauren's a girl rather than a little boy right like because he could have been a father to a little boy being the father that his mother should have been or whatever but instead it's a little girl and i feel like maybe that has uh, that stems something to do with the mother or it might have nothing at all and i'm just overanalyzing i don't know (laughs) but those those were the two relationships that stood out the most otherwise the other relationships you know i mean you have uh, orange juice man you have bug man and all these people that are side characters not really as important in his life um and some of them are real and some aren't so yeah uh as far as d goes d annoyed the shit out of me because you are old enough to understand what's happening you're old enough to take responsibility and say you lost your sister and to help your parents find her i mean the parents endure horrific you know aftermath from this and she's just sitting on this secret i don't know she annoyed me um and you know she annoyed me a lot of the times too she's unreliable as well that's why sometimes i thought maybe he could have had another um personality and it was d first of all she lives across the street what is she squatting because she never moved in there I, I i get the impression that she's squatting um in a neighbor's abandoned house it's never really defined Right. No, they. she talks about moving in at the beginning of the book. She has the truck that comes and moves her stuff in. And she mentions a landlord at one point as well, oh, that she didn't okay. want to bother the landlord with certain, well, or she wanted to call him to fix a window. I don't trust her anyway. I mean, her mind isn't exactly there. She thinks that she hears a kid. She thinks she hears Lulu, but it's 17 years, I think that's passed or some cer- certain amount of time frame, some 11. substantial time frame, 11 years. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have been a kid anymore. She wouldn't have heard a kid's voice. So I think that she's a little delusional, you know, and plus she knows what happened to her sister in a sense because she did it. She just chose to forget. So that's why I feel like because of the trauma of that experience, she also has some other issues. She's definitely afraid of snakes, all these things. So I think she she has a weird relationship with snakes. <laughs> that's not she has yet. a phobia. Yeah. Yeah. She has a phobia of snakes. Uh, I don't know. I, I just felt like um, D annoyed me and I kind of felt justice in the end when she gets what she got because i thought she Mm. was a piece of shit i'm sorry i don't know yeah okay no sympathy for day up in here (laughs) (laughs) a lot of sympathy for ted but no sympathy for day yeah i had very little sympathy for day but that actually leads us right into our next question so while reading did you find yourself more invested in ted's perspective or d's and in what ways would you have done things differently than d or would you just have made the same decisions that she did no 
(laughs) (laughs) So obviously I was more engulfed in Ted's perspective. I really wanted more about his life and his traumatic past. And I, I cared for Ted, you know what I mean? In the end, I really genuinely just cared for this man and I didn't want him to be guilty. And he used to, you know, he sounded like a kid a lot of the times when he would speak, you know, so I just genuinely was drawn to him and I wanted to help him. I wanted somebody to help him. Uh, I I did not care for Dee. She annoyed me. I did feel sorry for her at first because I was like, oh, you know, she's the sister of this lost little girl. Uh, But when you find out why the girl was lost and the girl, you know, clearly was dead. And obviously you find out even crazier stuff about the little girl too. But I just, of course, I would have done things differently. I mean, uh, how old was Dee at the time? I know it was 11 years ago. I think she was about 14-ish, like in that area. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, at 14 you know what the hell's going on, okay? You're yeah. going to tell your parents what's going on. She's putting the, um, her little sister's flip-flops in other people's bags. Uh, it was very, uh, what's the word? Not evil, but cold. manipulative and, yeah, cold. Yeah. You know, like, why are you letting your parents go through this? Um, why, because you don't want to take responsibility because you were in the woods, like, getting felt up by some random dude that was supposed <laughs> to be in college? I don't know. There, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of things. Uh, I have some issues with her, with um, and no, I would not have made the same decision she did. So, yeah. and then, you know, in the end too, she's sitting there and she's stalking this man that she has no proof over him and she should be stalking herself because she's the issue. Yeah. No sympathy for Dick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I was definitely more invested in Ted's perspective. I didn't mind Dee's perspective earlier in the book. I thought it was interesting to kind of see this dual perspective of, somebody who we believe is reality-based versus somebody that, you know, we don't really have any answers from yet. We're trying to puzzle things together. So it was nice to kind of switch to a perspective where we were kind of getting in on the investigation to figure out what's going on with Ted. But as the story went on, I honestly, when it got to a D chapter, I was like, I want back with Ted. Like, I want to go back to Olivia. I want to know what's going on over there. I was definitely more invested in his whole journey throughout this book. Um, I definitely would have done things differently than Dee. I I understood why she was doing what she did to an extent. So like I got that she is just so she's fixated on finding whoever took her sister because she feels guilt and she needs to alleviate that guilt. So I get that. I get that's what drove her across the country. I just didn't. I was like, what made her feel like it was Ted in the first place? She was so fixated on him for no reason. And we find out that she had done the same thing to another man, I think in Oregon or or Washington, something like that. And you could just tell that she is driven by paranoia and she's just completely fixated and she's really not thinking logically. And I definitely I, I can't imagine just moving into the house next door to somebody that I think stole my sister and then spying on him. And um, and then when it came to her actual account of what happened with her sister, I, I don't care how, you know, how much you're annoyed that you have to watch your little sister or something like that. Are you really going to go off into the woods with a much older boy? That was creepy. That whole situation yes, creeped me out. And then she's annoyed that she has Lulu with her and she knows that she's like, oh, if my parents find out I brought her here, that I'll get in trouble. Why are you bringing your sister into the woods so you can make out with the dude anyway? That's so creepy that she like I, the whole time that the scene was happening. I was like, where is Lulu? Is she watching you? Like, because at one point, like her shorts were down and stuff. I was like, is you are you letting your six year old sister watch? Watch this what's going on right now is creepy and then we you know we find out that lulu it was an accident she fell she hit her head and because of her fear of snakes d just books it out of the woods that bothered me i i don't have a phobia like this so i can't i don't understand what it feels like to feel that kind of fear and it for it to instill that type of flight or 
fight response, but she literally just runs, leaves her sister unconscious in the stream. And by the time she gets back, she's missing. And then, yeah, she goes about this whole situation. I, I can understand a teenager being like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. She'll show up. But at the same time, you know that your sister was unconscious, bleeding from the head. You have to, you have to say something. And then when I, I agree with you, when she was putting the flip-flop in some lady's bag and stuff, I was like, this is very cold and calculated. And I didn't like that. And just, she kind of gave me that impression from the start as well, when she was talking about this, this boy man that approached her. I think he was like 19. I'm going to call him a boy man. He but was too old for her. He was way too old for her. It was very creepy, but she referred to herself as like both predator and prey or something along those lines. And I was like, you're 14. What do you know about being a sexual pr uh, predator? You know what I mean? Like it was just very cold and calculating and just very weird. I, I didn't enjoy reading about any of that, but that did, it did, it did shock me when I found all of that out. So yeah. And you're right. I understand she's afraid of snakes, but you know, she's in a, a body of water where she could drown if she's not hurt yeah. already. You know, she's not dead. Um, I don't care if there's thousands of spiders, which I'm definitely afraid of all over the body and all over the section. I'm going to save this little kid. Yeah. Okay. And I would do that for any little kid, not even necessarily a little sister or something. So it just upset me so much. And I don't care that she's, oh, she's 14. No, this is your sister. Like, you know, stop it. <laughs> It yeah. just annoyed me. The whole scene annoyed me. It was frustrating. I, I was yeah. shocked too. I didn't expect it. Yeah. Especially because we get a completely different account earlier in the book. And then like that was one of the twists where it was like actually she'd been lying about that. Yeah. She's and I was like, oh, shit. as hell. She was yeah. lying to us. That's yeah. why too, I, at one point I was like, this has to also be uh, one of Ted's personalities because she also dies on the same night he's trying to kill off the other personalities. So I think it's ambiguous that it could be, but I feel like maybe Ketran and Ward just so. threw her in there just so this way we could maybe guess if she was or not. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it was ever insinuated that she was a figment of him, um, of his mind. I, I think it was made pretty clear that she was real. I just well, think she was put in she... there to show another perspective on the Lulu situation. Who does she interact with besides Ted, though? Well, she has the, the people that move her stuff in. She talks to the cop, Karen on the phone we never, we, never we, we know the situation where she was stalking the man ethan she's a real person lulu really did have a sister and she really did exist and all of this really happened how would ted have those memories if it if it wasn't d i think it would have been more fun if it was also in his head and if there wasn't a little girl that miss, went missing mm, i think but that's not what we get here i'm just saying yeah i mean <laughs> I, I think that really wouldn't make that much sense but all right i mean i guess if lulu was also but like people in the town were looking for lulu and stuff so it's like Oh, yeah. Well, I guess. You know, I mean, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Been fun. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Ted's therapist tells him, quote, in our daily lives, it can be difficult to say what we think or feel to those closest to us. That is a very isolating experience. It can be lonely, keeping secrets. That's why it's important to have somewhere safe like this. You could say anything to me, end quote. So how do you think Ted's life might have been different if he disclosed these secrets to someone sooner? Yeah, I think that he would have been able to get the help he needed a lot sooner if he had been able to communicate with somebody. Maybe not the bug man, the bug man was trying to use him, but I mean, maybe as a child, if he had been able to talk to somebody or if even, you know, after his mother passed, if he was able to talk to someone, maybe he would have been able to get the help he needed and he wouldn't have been living in such turmoil and in such, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but he, he would have been able to live a more satisfying life. He would have been able to 
cope with the things he's been through. He would have been able to cope with his illness. He would have been able to control his illness much sooner. And instead, you know, he he chose to keep it a secret, which was partially because of his mother and partially because I think he was fearful as well that people might think he's crazy or that they might not believe him or, or something along those lines, or they might institutionalize him. So I understand why he kept his secrets. However, I think that had he been able to have a relationship earlier in life, that was supportive, who he could talk to, it would have helped him immensely. Yeah, I agree. And this is stemming back to his mom as well, because his mom was horrible. Uh, If he made a sound, she would abuse him. So he was afraid to speak up. And also at one point, he doesn't realize that this is happening. He really genuinely thinks he has a daughter. He genuinely thinks he has a cat. You know, he he genuinely thinks he has these people in his life. And when he does see the bug man, like Alex said, who was using him for his book, who was using him, he wasn't really like considering his best interests at heart. He was giving him horrible medication that he shouldn't have been taking, which yeah. causes hallucinations and all these things. He was not helping, mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like, I think deep down, he did know that it was happening. He just wasn't ready to confront it. Kind of like step one, you have a problem type of situation. Uh, he wasn't getting the help he needs and when he was going to see this bug man therapist he was also speaking to him in riddles so kind of like speaking to him through television shows that he wasn't really watching they weren't real but he was trying to get help through other channels and the bug man just wasn't paying attention in my opinion Um, yeah you know he would be like oh is this because you want to talk about lauren like do you want to talk about this like actually get him to admit what he's trying to say to you because he's trying to open up in his own way yeah so um it was just sad you know i I feel like of course it would have been different had he gotten help sooner but of course i mean he grew up in this environment this is the only environment he knew the whole setting of this book is literally in the same environment where he grew up Mm -hmm. um you know he's in this house where he endured such horrific abuse i mean there's a lot of instances too where he still pictures things the way they were not the way they are um so he's obviously so traumatized he's got so much ptsd from this and he's been hiding from it and had he had gotten help a little bit sooner of course i think it would have made it a little easier for him Uh, yeah it's just sad yeah all right so let's discuss the twists that were revealed throughout the novel did you anticipate any of them and what was most surprising to you Okay, so this got ruined for me because I had seen a spoiler in a review that said he had the dissociative dissociative identity disorder, which I then decided to ruin for Alex and tell her as well. <laughs> I, well, I already, I, yeah. I think I said I to you, I was like, suspicions. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> I had my suspicions. And at first, I, you know, when I first started reading it. I didn't like the narration because I was like, what is this? What's going on? Like, <laughs> why, why is he acting this way? Um, and, you know, it's like one of those tropes that that horror trope where there's uh, multiple personalities so I had that in the in the back of my head thinking maybe that's where this was going and I was right that is where it went the twist that I didn't see coming was of course like we said about Dee and her sister I didn't see her being responsible I thought that was crazy I didn't see it being the mother that was abusing people that was killing people uh you know and then when I heard because he would say it was unreliable because he would say certain things like oh the, the green boys upstairs in the attic and then you find out there is no attic. He made up an attic in his mind. And then you find out two things like uh, the upstairs is symbolic for something. It's not literally the upstairs of his house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and what's the other? It's uh, the basement, in, the inside place or the downstairs. What there was place? the basement and then there was the weekend place. Right. The weekends, the weekend place. That I didn't know. I thought maybe it was like some shed in the woods or something. And that turned out to be something different. So there was a bunch of twists um, that I didn't necessarily predict and had questions about. And then they ended up being something totally different. You know, and then you have Dee who's bitten by a snake and she dies because he had something in his kit that she thought would help her. And it turned out where it doesn't even work or something. There was a lot of things, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that were revealed that I was just like, oh, wow. Oh, okay. Um, but that one main plot reveal that he has multiple personalities, I didn't see as surprising. I think yeah. had I not seen that, I would have guessed it anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't even really consider that a twist. I don't think it was intended to be this like mind altering twist in the book because I think there was a lot of evidence leading up to it. I did get shocked at one point when Lauren and Olivia first made contact with one another. And I thought that at that point I started questioning it and I was like, oh, wait, is he not the one with DID? Is it actually, did he actually kidnap Lulu and he's calling her Lauren because her real name was Laura? And is she the one with DID? Yeah, I was like, is she the one with DID because she's been suffering abuse by Ted? But the thing is, Ted never seemed like the type to abuse people because he he seemed like such a sweet guy he loved animals and he took care of animals so i was like something's just not adding up so then i thought that maybe ted had another personality that was a murderer and we just didn't see that person yet we didn't see that personality and i was shocked when that wasn't the case so i was shocked to learn that he wasn't the killer I was happy. I was like literally yeah. so happy that he wasn't. And I was I wasn't surprised that the mother was abusive. I wasn't surprised that she had something to do because at some point they talk about how she was um she got fired from a couple of jobs and it was jobs where she was working with children. So I was like that's suspicious to me, but I didn't think that she had been the one to kidnap and kill Lulu and then put her in a suitcase and bury her in the neighbor's yard. I was like what the fuck? I was like what is going on? I think in my notes I put like WTF <laughs> Like, the gods yeah and well the gods yeah that was her she was the gods in like all of her stuff yeah, i didn't see her yeah i didn't see her committing suicide that was a surprise to me um and i i think that was it o- overall i i liked the way that the book handled these twists and surprises because it didn't feel like they were trying to be like gotcha gotcha it just felt like everything naturally unfolded like we just naturally got information about things i was very shocked about the d twist i will say that and i i didn't see that coming i also didn't anticipate her dying i really thought she was going to survive and when she just flat out died nobody even finds her body she just you know becomes part of the earth i i really loved the way that passage was written by the way but i i didn't see that coming either yeah there was something i was just gonna say that i forgot to mention i think it was about d and i have to think about it now i definitely um wasn't surprised by the mom being abusive either i think that was pretty uh hinted at throughout the beginning of the book as well plus i was already suspicious that ted had the dissociative identity which i already know is a result of trauma usually as a child so i was like mommy did something bad <laughs> i think well, i put that in my notes if it couldn't even get worse and then she sends him out for ice cream okay he comes mm-hmm. home with the ice cream and she's hanging there because she yeah. kills herself and then he has to take care of the body in situation because she made it she left a note it was just it she was she tells him horrible. before she says go out and get me ice cream and when you come back there will be something in the kitchen that you'll have to bring out back and bury and it's her body her fucking body hanging from the ceiling. Starving. Can you imagine? I think I was clothesline or something. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, there's something about D that we didn't mention. I'm trying to think of it and I can't think of it right now and it's bothering me because I was like, oh yeah, that was a twist too. Now I can't think of it. With D? Yeah. Oh, the birds. Yeah. She was the one who killed the birds. I was shocked by that too. I was like, what the fuck? Wait. So, okay. In the beginning of this book, Alex doesn't tell me about animal triggers ever. But in the beginning of this book, there's sticky things uh, put all placed all over the yard strategically with this bird stuck to it. And he has to like, you know, 
to end their suffering, like literally make this little gas chamber, which was like traumatizing to read. You find out later the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my God, this bird murderer, like, you know, like he definitely, one of his personalities did this. No, no, it was D. Okay. Yeah. Who, this psycho is like trying to like amp him up and see things like, see how she's like, I had to do it. Okay. No, yeah. I forgot about psycho. that too. That I was a twist that. for me that I was just like, what? And then I, I was like, I don't like her. She that was more of a psycho than anybody. That blew my mind. You're right. You're right. I remember thinking that when we when I read that, I was like, not only what the fuck, but also I hated D at that point as well. Um, I did not see that coming at all. That was a shock. Yeah. So basically what she did was attach these like this tape or like adhesive strips to the bird feeders. So when the birds landed to eat, he had them all over his yard because he loves the birds. He loved watching the birds and she yeah, had been watching like him for a while day, watching and feeding these birds. Yeah. And she had observed him literally loving these birds made that connection and decided to kill them so that he knew what it would feel like to lose somebody that he loves and i was like that's sick that's a real so sick dark thing to and do evil. yeah all right there's an undertone that. of like awful women in this book mm. you really want to go there because that is awful that is dark to do to yeah. somebody that you don't even know is the culprit because you deep down know that you were responsible i, I have so many issues today yeah but yeah i'm so glad we thought of that because that was intense yeah i did not expect that no, me either. It's revealed in this novel that Ted suffered tremendous abuse as a child at the hands of his mother, as we've been saying. He reflects that, quote, the young feel pain intensely, I think, because they don't know yet how to how deep it can go, end quote. In what ways did each of Ted's alters help him as a child to cope with the pain he experienced? Yeah, so we have Olivia. Well, first, the first personality to pop up was Lauren. And she was basically she materialized one day while his mother was abusing him. So his mother was a nurse. And what she would do is kind of practice stitching on him, but she would do things that he didn't need. So she would either cause injuries that then needed to be stitched, she wouldn't give him any type of pain relief. But most of the time it was things that did not need to be stitched. They were minor injuries. And then she would blame him for being so clumsy. And he he just would be suffering in that way. And and then there were other times where she was putting him in the freezer and giving him these vinegar and I think baking soda baths basically. Boiling which, water. And boiling water. Yeah. All all of these horrific, just abusive things that were happening to him. He was so young that he he mentally didn't understand how to cope with the pain he was experiencing, especially the fact that it was happening by his mom. So Lauren materializes and she takes on the physical pain for him. So she says, listen, I'm strong. I got this. You go into the weekend places, the recesses of his mind. And she takes over as the primary personality and she takes that pain away from Ted. So he doesn't actually experience that pain. It's Lauren who gets all of the pain that he suffers now once she she's in the picture. And then we learned that Olivia has come about in the weekend place. She's not allowed upstairs, which is the primary personality, which makes sense because it would be really weird to see a grown man just acting like a cat. <laughs> um, but she's in the weekend place with him to provide him comfort and emotional support. And that was kind of her role for him. And then later on, we find out that there's also nighttime, which was kind of another aspect of Olivia's personality, which I thought was interesting. So where Olivia was gentle and sweet and kind, nighttime is tough. He's a hunter. He ends up taking over at some point and he actually kills this mouse that Ted had for a school project. And he, I don't think ever takes over again after that, but he, he also gives some 
some help to Olivia in the weekend place. So when Ted's not there metaphorically taking care of her, nighttime will help her to get food by hunting mice and things like that. And then there's other personalities that we don't know about. So we know that there's the green boys in the attic upstairs. Some of them aren't really able to vocalize anything. We don't really know what purpose they serve. Um, other than that, I don't know. They they He kept them contained in the attic of this weekend place. So the attic of his mind, we don't really find. We also find out that there were young children that were wailing all the time, that they didn't really, they weren't uh, verbal yet. They were nonverbal. So we don't know about all of his personalities, but for the primary ones, we had Lauren who was taking his physical pain away. And then we had Olivia who was being uh, an emotional support and comfort to him. And then we had Nighttime who was kind of a protector for Olivia. Yeah. And you know what too? Um, the He calls people by descriptions throughout the book rather than by names. And he calls this one personality, I think it's a personality, but they don't really clarify. Um, but he says basically once he start, starts realizing that they're personalities, he starts to give some of them names and he has this orange juice man. And it's ambiguous. It could be real. It could be not. I don't think he's real. I think that I think he's real. Actually, I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. Because he gets now, a name at the end. Yeah, right. Because now he's able to give him a name because he's confronting. And I think he's stepping forward, Rob. That's his name, Rob. He's mm-hmm. stepping forward because now he's going to be the one to comfort him in the realization and the reality of the situation. Um, and this is like playing a role as a friend like he needed all along. So that's what I think. I don't I dis- think the orange juice man is real. I disagree because he's the one that had the dog and he was walking the dog. He had a life prior to Ted. He had a family prior to Ted. He's the one who took him to the hospital and came back to visit him. And the nurse saw him and interacted with him. And so did the doctor. I don't think we're supposed to believe that he's a personality. Catriona Ward, some like she, this book, it, it it tied up all the loose ends at the end of the book. I don't think anything was intended to be left ambiguous. I think when she says D died, it's because D died. And I think when she says that, you know, Ted is now in this, we find out that Ted's actually gay and he's been actually going to this gay bar. And that's where he also saw Rob at this gay bar. Rob says, you know, I saw you there. You smiled at me once. I don't know if you remember. And I think we're supposed to believe that he now he has this friend slash boyfriend slash lover whatever it is he helps him to understand his illness he's the one that helped him to get a job he helped him to go to therapy i think he's a real person and i think that catriona ward if he was a personality i think she would have told us that because she tied up all the other loose ends in terms of who was real and who was not at the end of the book okay i mean i have a different perception of it okay uh and and maybe that's not what her intention was but I like having a different perception I think it it helps me maybe cope with his trauma that he has somebody at least no matter what that's sitting there and and helping him whether they're real or not I like the existence of this person for him okay um but either way uh I just you know I felt I felt terrible that he had to deal with all of this obviously he had to cope with pain everybody copes differently um and this is the way that he was able to cope um with this horrific situation while he was growing up we were saying you know his mom literally puts him into a freezer that she pokes holes into it's the freezer's not on by the way um but she pokes holes into it and then she pours boiling water um to hurt him and then vinegar to burn his wounds as well like she's just evil beyond comprehension that was so hard to read i don't know if you felt that way but reading that was so hard to read it made me feel a lot of ways i was very sad for him so i mean you know he just has a horrible mother obviously the altars that he invents help him out so things appear to be looking up for ted at the conclusion of the novel what do you think is in store for him next and would you be interested in reading more of his story 
I don't want to read more of his story. I feel like we got the the full grasp on him. Uh, but I would like to know that he's doing well and that, you know, he's recovering in some way because I don't think he'll ever fully recover from what he's endured. But at least maybe moving forward, he can get the help he needs. He could talk it out and help to understand that it's not his fault. You know, that um, everything that he endured was not his fault. Everything that his mother put him through was it wasn't his fault because I really do believe that he, he believes everything was his fault. and. I would like to see going forward him understand that, maybe find happiness, maybe get a real cat. Uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I would like to see him happy. I would like to see uh, him move out of that hell house, if possible, move to a needful street. Yeah. Than a needless one. <laughs> I just, I would like to see him move far from there and get help and be happy. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, I think that I don't know if I would be interested in reading more. I probably would. I, I think I would read more from Ted and learn about, you know, what happens next and how, you know, what his healing journey looks like, but I don't think it's necessary. And I wouldn't want Catrion Award to write another book with Ted, but you know, if it, if it already existed, I would be interested in reading that. I do think that at the conclusion of the novel, he's looking to a brighter future. So I think that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, he's now able to understand his illness and he's able to treat it and he's able to understand his history and the abuse that he suffered. He's able to cope with it. He's able to make social bonds, whether you believe, you know, Rob is real or not. He at least has the socialization aspect. That was a big factor because he was living alone in a house. He literally had no human interaction outside of these very brief impersonal interactions on occasion. So now he has a friend, a boyfriend, he has a job. He just has things that are going to bring more meaning to his life and that will allow him to really live a full life versus, you know, just being stuck in the house all day and being tormented by his own brain. Yeah. So what themes stood out to you throughout this novel? I think the theme of trauma was really prevalent. Um, it wasn't really subtle. It was pretty no, open. it was not subtle. <laughs> no, but I, I liked seeing the theme of how trauma affects different people. And I think we saw this both with Ted and Dee. So where Ted obviously suffered, as, you know, as we said, uh, tremendous abuse as a child, we saw how that impacted him mentally and physically, socially, how it just absolutely impacted every aspect of his life in, in every dimension. And I think that Catriona Ward was including that for a reason. It is very steeped in with the DID diagnosis. It usually stems from um, extreme traumatic incidents. So that makes sense. I think she handled that really well. And then with D, I think there was also that theme of grief so the trauma of losing a loved one, losing a sibling, and then having grief and guilt and what it can do to a person. So she's literally spent every moment of her life since the disappearance of her sister trying to find her sister and trying to right this wrong that she has committed. And it drives her, it drives her off the deep end or into the deep. I don't know what the saying is. It drives her off the cliff. I don't know what the saying is, but it drives her I, to madness. Yeah, you know, I think that she becomes so consumed by her grief and guilt that, you know, this is this is what happens when you don't cope with it. This is what happens when you don't have closure, when you can't find peace. And I think that that's what Dee's story was really, um, I, I think that was a really big underlying theme for her. I think there was a lot of paranoia there as well. And you know, a lot of just reality checking and making you question what is reality and what is not reality. If you have two people living inside of one body, what's real and what's not? 
because both experiences are very real to the people like Lauren's experiences were just as real as Ted's, but she doesn't, you know, she's a little girl, she's a 12 year old girl, but she doesn't look like a 12 year old girl. She looks like a 30 something year old man. So I liked the idea that we were playing with this concept of what is really true, what is really reality. Um, it was, I, I really enjoyed reading this book. I, I felt it was fun. It reminded me of a puzzle and these themes, I, I, I enjoyed reading about them. I felt it like was kind of fun for me. There was a lot of trauma in this. Reading this wasn't fun for me. Well, in certain parts, yeah. <laughs> but I, mean, I get what you mean. Alex has yeah. like a new uh, love and appreciation for horror. I did. I know. I've, I don't think I've ever read a horror novel until Needless Street, and then we started reading Mary, and I'm like, am I a horror girly now? Like, I never knew. I didn't You're know, a Jess. Horror whore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I. So I. I agree. Going back to the themes, I agree with everything that you said, and I think there's some prevalent themes. Most of most importantly about survival because like there's you know this undertone of he has to create new people in order to survive and endure um and he has to you know and also d too in order to accept this guilt which is another theme there's a lot of guilt that she feels yeah um so she has to also uh cope in her way in order to survive uh so i think that survival is a big one i think that um obviously you know trauma and the aftermath of trauma is huge on both ends of these two people they're, they're both affected by different things in different ways and they both cope differently and you know I think mental illness is a big one and I think it's a very important message too that a lot of times people will be afraid of someone with a mental illness and I think this goes to prove that people with mental illnesses aren't, aren't necessarily a villain you know look at him no he, they're he was, not he was thought to be a villain this entire time and he he wasn't he was just this poor victim yeah. um this poor soul that has no one uh because people would be so cruel to him and automatically assume just because of his illness that he was the bad guy you know and it, it i think that it's a good message that catriona ward was putting out with that um you know and there's so much mental illness surrounding this book i mean the mother obviously had a mental illness she was a psychopath and it trickled down to him causing all of these personalities to evolve um d also she has you know paranoia that she formed from this she's trying to suppress the past and pretend that it didn't happen and try to blame someone else you know there's a lot of theme of that and i think that it's a good message in the end once this book ends um so i really liked that that i did like reading that part the message there I was really happy that Ted wasn't a murderer because if that's how this book was going to end, this was going to be an automatic like one or two for me because especially in horror, but just in general in in the media, people love to paint mental illness as something you should be scared of and something that is dangerous and it's not. And people diagnosed with a mental illness are significantly more likely to be victimized than they are to be dangerous towards others. And so it really bothers me when authors and, and other people in in the media try to make it seem like, oh, this is scary because it's real because people really do have mental illness and they're going to come out and they're going to get you because they have multiple personalities or they have schizophrenia or this and that. I'm not saying that people with mental illness can't be violent because they can, but so can people without mental illness. There's millions of people every day that are violent that don't have a diagnosis of a mental illness and they don't have a mental illness. So it's just a human thing. It's not an illness thing. So I was really happy with the way that Catriona Ward handled this. I disagree a little bit about his mom. I think she was a sociopath, but I don't necessarily consider that like an illness. It's more of like a personality thing, which is just like a little bit different, but- um, I mean, she's a psychopath. She has no feeling for her kid. 
Yeah, but that's like, it's not, it's a personality trait. Like it's not um, something that you can treat. If you have psychopathy, if you're a psychopath, you can't fix that. You can maybe learn ways to navigate it so that you don't, you know, go out and kill little kids, <laughs> but you can't fix it. Like you can, you know, treat other illnesses. So, so psych, psycho, psych, because I'm learning here, but um, being a psychopath is not a mental illness. It's considered a personality disorder. So it's actually a symptom of a, a personality disorder, which is antisocial personality disorder. And psychopathy is actually a symptom, which is like the lack of normal emotion, or quote unquote, normal emotion. So they don't experience things the same way that like you or I might. They very rarely feel remorse or anything like that. They struggle to, you know, they, they can probably feel love in some capacity, but it's not the same way that we would understand or feel love. Um, and that's why they can do atrocious things. They they have they can't empathize with other human emotions. So when they're causing pain, they don't get it. They don't understand. They're like, why are you reacting this way? Why are you crying? Why are you begging me for your life? It's like fascinating to them. So, Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So then instead of mental illness, maybe the wording that I should have used is mental disorder. Mental disorder. It's the same right? thing. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure I'm not. Like, no, no, you're no, you're fine. You're you're totally fine. I just I meant more um for the book itself. I was glad that like it wasn't Ted who was the one who was the killer because it was that refreshing. Yeah, yes. you know, it was because like that, the that, mom who was more of just like you said, like a psychopath, yeah, which makes what, sense. That's the message I left this book with, you know, that society paints this picture that you automatically fear people yeah. that have disorders or that have mental disabilities or whatever the case may be. Like even like some people well, it'll automatically like if somebody's autistic and they have a bad you know case of autism somebody mm -hmm. will be afraid of that person yeah. or somebody um i know used to be like terribly afraid of people with down syndrome and down syndrome what? is the sweetest people i've ever met in my life so people just have these these bad um societal you know what's the word um indoctrination but not it's really that stigma word. it's stigma yeah, there's society, a lot of stigma surrounding yeah. mental, mental illness and other and, you know, cognitive and, disorders and that's yeah. what i liked about walking away from this book after reading it is to show like that's not necessarily how it should be like yeah. you know fam uh, research it get familiar with with these type of things and realize that not everyone is the villain that you paint them out to be because from the beginning yeah. you really think this man's going to become the yeah. villain so yeah. you're part of that societal notion yourself yeah so i really liked walking away from this not this novel with that message that yeah that's not always the case I like yeah that. And I liked in the afterward also Catriona Ward explains that she did do research on this. She did a lot of research on it. Yeah. And I think that's that's evident in in the writing and in in the book itself. Yeah. And you, you could tell she has like a, a strong appreciation for these people, too. Yeah. The ones that she was talking with. Yeah. Time with. Yeah. If anybody has read the book and they haven't read the afterward, read it. It was really impactful and really good. I agree. I'm glad you told me to read that. I would have read it anyway. Yeah, you, you definitely would have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm that nerd that always reads those things anyway. So <laughs> I'm gonna like miss to know with them. The, no, yeah. I like to know where the author was at, like in their yeah. head, you know, like even like the forwards and stuff like that and the the, the yeah. things in the in the beginning. I like to read all that stuff. So Yeah. Sometimes I read them, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'll just skim them. So I was glad I read this one. All right. So what did you think of Catriona Ward's writing? Caddy Ward's a new author for us. All right. Well, Caddy the Wards threw a cat in there. Uh so yeah, no, I mean, I loved being in the cat's perspective. I thought that was refreshing as hell. I thought it was unique and different. I think there was a lot about this book that was unique and different, even though it's like a common trope. I think that she went about it in a different way. And I really love that. And like I said, I love yeah. the message in the end. Uh, so I really liked her writing. Uh, I think I would read another book from her. I think that she did a great job and it wasn't just like, well, horror, horror, gore, gore. Uh, I 
obviously this is just a personal thing. You know, the, the trauma for kid and, you know, the things that she did were hard for me to deal with. They could give me nightmares because I know that those things really exist. Uh, but that's a me thing. That's not based on her writing where I'm critiquing her personally. I think for, in a horror standpoint, she did an amazing job. Yeah. I agree with you. I actually did have nightmares. Remember I told you that one day I was like, I was reading it late at night and then I had a nightmare. All right. Anyway. Um, yeah. I won't have a nightmare <laughs> from like some scary monster lurking in the thing. And I'll be like, oh, that guy sounds awesome. That monster. I won't have a nightmare from that because I know it's not real. Yeah. But something like this, I don't want to know if yeah. this is real. Put that yeah. Way. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. I, I really enjoyed Catriona Ward's writing. I would definitely read more from her. I did think so for the first two chapters, I felt the writing was jarring. It wasn't something I was used to or accustomed to. So yeah, it took a little bit of getting used to. But once you jump into like chapters three, four, it, you start to get the rhythm of it and you you start to understand, okay, this is how things are going to be written. And there were there were certain points that were more lucid than others. So I really liked it. By the end, I, I loved this book. I really, really enjoyed this book. I would definitely read more from her. I think she did a phenomenal job. I think the character development was great. I think she set the tone really well. I really liked how she would describe the house from different characters' perspectives. And I liked how there were inconsistencies in the description because we later find out, it's like, oh, well, when the rug was orange, it's because they were in the weekend place because that kept confusing me. I was like, is it yes. orange or is it blue? Which one is it? I know. I was like, is it well, because Olivia's colorblind? Like, what's going on? That stems back to the unre unreliability of the narrators. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that makes sense when it finally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> And but I while love you're that. reading it first, it can be frustrating. Yeah, it, it was just a little jarring. It was like it took me by surprise. And but I but I enjoyed it. I this whole book felt like a puzzle. I, I think I've said that about some other books, but this one really I was like trying to put the pieces together the whole time. And some things we were able to put together and then there were still some things that were still shocking or still surprising by the end. So I thought that this was really well done. Yeah, I could see why people would criticize the writing, though. I could see why it would be frustrating to read. Because at first, before I really got into it, I hated it. I was like, I can't yeah. do this. This writing is hor horrific. Yeah. But you're really putting yourself in the role. It's kind of like if anybody ever read, and I think you said you did too, uh, Their Eyes Will Be Watching God. Yeah. It's it's hard narration because you're actually um, being read in the same perspective as this character so it's i think it's more um, immersive that way or um interactive really because you're becoming mm -hmm. the character yeah uh so i think if people look at it at that in that perspective you really become ted you're becoming one of his personalities by just engaging yeah. in the situation and that i think makes it great yeah <laughs> i really like that uh the way you said that too that the reader is kind of becoming one of his personalities that's cool yeah that's why you loved it <laughs> Because you're like, I like my personality. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So what are your thoughts on the title, The Last House on Needless Street? Um, would you have titled it any, anything different? What do you think it means? I mean, it literally means the last house on Needless Street, <laughs> which is where Ted lived. His house is the last house on Needless Street. <laughs> um, I mean, I liked this title. Before I knew anything about this title, I thought it sounded kind of creepy. I was like, ooh, what's going on at that last house on Needless Street? I, I didn't really know what this book was about at first. I thought it was maybe going to be like a haunted house thing. So I was very surprised when I started reading and I was like, this has nothing to do with a haunted house. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it does have that type of vibe, that name. Yeah. And I thought the street name was like just a pun or something. I didn't think it was actually called Needless Street. So I, I liked this title. I don't have a problem with it. I don't know if I would have named it anything different. I like that it doesn't really give anything away. It's literally 
what this book is about without telling you. It's everything that's going on inside of that last house down on Needle Street. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It gives you that, like, you know, the house, the haunting on Hill House. Like, yeah, it sounds like a horror novel. Yeah, it just does. Uh, I, I do like it, you know, and it's interesting, too, because at one point, uh, Ted points out how one of the S's is coming off on the street name. And it looked like it looks Needles. like Needles. Yeah. Street. And I think that's like eerie and creepy. Yeah. I love it. I mean, the only thing I would have changed it to would give it away and it would be Ted's head. <laughs> Ted's head. Because <laughs> that's literally what sums up the whole book. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, it's accurate. <laughs> I mean, if it was Ted's head, I wouldn't be upset because I'd be like, well, he wasn't looking. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> All right. So what did you think of the cover art? Do you think it fit with the content of the book? And would you have changed anything? First of all, I wanted to read this book for the cover art. Same. Because it's a cat on the street. <laughs> okay. Secondly, uh, I think that it sums up everything you know it's just literally a ha uh, a house on a street and it has a cat there and it makes you wonder and i think it's eerie and creepy as hell and i like that for a horror novel you want it to look creepy and, and yeah. eerie but also inviting and since we're cat people and we <laughs> love animals up in here i wanted to read it yeah but it also gave me a, a feeling of it's like oh man whenever there's an animal in a book i'm like Ugh, yeah you know there's gonna be animal abuse or something's gonna go down so especially in a horror novel yeah I agree with you. I loved this cover. And from the moment I saw it, I was like, I want to read that. <laughs> um, I do think it's beautiful. It is very eerie. Like you said, it's very ominous. So like looking yes. at it, you can just tell like there's something off in that last house on Needless Street. And I want to know what it is. And of course, the cat sitting in the street I loved. Um, and that ties right into the book. But for anybody who hasn't read this yet, just know that the second chapter of this book is told from the cat's perspective. So when I say that the writing is jarring, it's like you immediately start reading and all of a sudden you're reading this book from the cat's perspective. So I, I liked that the cat was included on the cover, especially after I started reading it and was like, okay, so we got a main character right on the cover. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really love, love the cover of this book. Yeah, it gave me the vibes, too, with the cat. Um, you remember the movie Cat's Eye, which is actually, I think, a Stephen King novel. Yeah. Or a collection mm -hmm. of his stories or something like that, Cat's Eye. Uh, but it gave me those vibes at first. And I was just mm -hmm. like, ooh, it made me think of that. And that was yeah. a horror, too, yeah. back in the day. Actually, on the cover, there is a quote from Stephen King that says, a true nerve shredder that keeps its mind-blowing secrets to the very end. That's his back flap. That's his back flap. You got a Stephen <laughs> King flap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, so if this book could be summed up for the fun part uh, <laughs> as, what would they be? Rule, first thing that comes to mind. So if it could be summed up as a song, what would it be? Okay, The Cat's in the Cradle. The Cat's in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon. <laughs> I don't know. For me, I want to say Monster Mash. Did I say okay. that the last one? No, okay. I don't think so. Okay, because it's like a mashup of his head and there's monsters in his mind. And I like Halloween. that. Yes. I like so, that. <laughs> the monster mash. Uh, inside Ted's head. Uh, <laughs> what about a nail color? So I think I'm going to go with like a really dark teal. So like Ooh. somewhere between blue and green, but like really dark. So it gives you that like dusk vibe. That's interesting because I was going forest green with this one. Oh, okay. There's a lot of woods, a, a lot, lot of forest. forest. Yeah. Uh, and it screams dark green to me. I don't know why. Yeah. That's cool. What about a cocktail? A cocktail, I'm going to say bourbon, because he does drink a lot of bourbon in this as well. <laughs> he does. I don't know. It would have to be some spooky kind of drink that has, like, eyes floating in it. Ew. 
<laughs> olive eyes, like a, a martini with an olive eye. I love your olive eyes. <laughs> no, just like some kind of like creepy little like creepy eyes that you put on food. I yeah, know, those things would have to be floating around. Maybe olives, so maybe like a martini or something like that. But definitely, I, I just meant that you could make the the olives into eyes. You yeah, know, definitely has eyes. Okay, like, instead of the hills have eyes, this cocktail does. Okay, <laughs> what about um item of clothing? An item of clothing, I'm going to say a button-up flannel in yeah. dark blue. I just keep thinking of his um his name tag shirt, like one of those uh, blue button-up shirts yeah. with a collar. Yeah, like a work shirt kind of. Yeah, maybe yeah. like stitched in some kind of brand name or something like that. Yeah, work yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. What about a meal? A meal. There were some weird meals in this, by the way, yeah. right? A steak with a side of maggots? Would you well, like that? Obviously that one, but there was also like the pickles with the peanut butter and stuff. And at, for, at one point they talk about like a strawberry vinegar sandwich, but then by the end, when he actually explains it, it sounded pretty good. Mm. So I don't know. It was like balsamic vinegar. Anyway, so for this, I have no idea. I think I'm going to go with the steak with the side of maggots. <laughs> Honestly, that all I can think about is a steak. Yeah. That's it. I just see steak, but like real messy looking mashed potatoes like i don't know if i want to have them lumpy um, barely mashed potatoes either that or just like a plate of cheese because that's what he loves he was eating cheese yeah, all the time he was you know and i just want to let everyone know that it breaks my heart that we are not having a thursday episode where we have to cook something with an ingredient yeah. i love me some cheese i know actually when i started reading this too i was like this is great there's so many food references and i was like god oh, damn it the one book we don't need it for has it on like every page exactly <laughs> Of course, that happens. I know. All right, so this is going to be a fun one. Uh, if this book could be summed up as an animal. Okay, I'm going to say a panther, a, a big black panther. Why? Because it reminds me of nighttime. So I know nighttime was basically supposed to be another domestic cat, but he's described as like very large and menacing and ferocious. What was a dog, like a hound? No, he was another cat. Oh. And But he, to me, it seems like he was like a big cat, like a panther. So that's what I think of. Okay. I, don't know. I don't know go with a rat no <laughs> a mouse no because he hurts the mice i don't want to put any animals in this book i feel sorry for all the animals <laughs> how about uh i don't know <laughs> what's like a creepy what's the first thing that comes to mind animal say it the first thing that, but, but it's too sweet and cute a sloth it doesn't matter it's supposed to be the first thing why does a sloth come to your mind for this book <laughs> a sloth comes to mind i don't know because i feel like ted's progression and coping huh. is slow. Okay, that's good. I like that. <laughs> but it wasn't creepy. Sloths are so friggin' cute. But you were trying to overthink it. I always try to overthink it. I know. <laughs> it's true. All right, a sloth it is. All right. Sorry to the sloth community. <laughs> All right, well, would you scoop or skip this book? And how many golden scoops would you give it? All right, well, I never want to read this book again for obvious reasons. Uh, horror books aren't my favorite just because but I do like to read one a year if I can or something and I do like the eeriness of it uh, I would recommend this book if, if people want to try something different and explore something new uh, I would recommend maybe I would scoop it for that purpose um, but I don't want to read it again I would say that Catrion Award is a good writer and I would maybe consider something else of hers in the future uh, I would give this, uh, I was toying with this because at first 3.5, but I'm going to say it's a four um, just because I really love that message at the end. And I think that 
um, it's an important one. And I think that this book did have me on my toes guessing a lot. And I mm-hmm. love that. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I would give this book a five golden scoops. I loved it. I definitely recommend it. I scooped it up. I'll continue scooping it up. I think I would reread this book. Um, I I really loved this book. Not only were the characters well-developed, but they were very interesting. Even if I didn't like them, they were still interesting and they were still, you know, they had a good plot. Um, I really loved the writing. I loved how we learned information. It was slow and steady throughout the novel. It wasn't like a slow build up to a big reveal that was supposed to punch you in the face. You got little pieces of truth throughout the novel. And I loved that. I also loved that while yes, I was able to predict some things, there were also some things I couldn't predict. So there were some things that still took me by surprise, but it didn't feel like the book was just trying to take me by surprise. It was like we were really finding out information the way that Ted was finding out information and it felt realistic. And it didn't feel like she was trying to throw a twist in there just for twist's sake. It felt right. It, it just, I thought it was really, really well done. And even if I don't read this book again, I think any, I, I recommend it to anybody. I think that this is a really, really good book. And I, I will definitely read more from Catriona Ward. I didn't know I was into horror. I think the only other horror book I've ever read in my life was The Mist by Stephen King. And I didn't love it. I thought it was just meh. And I loved this book. And I don't know. I might be into horror. Who knew? I didn't think yeah. I'd be. I, I didn't think I would be. So I don't think The Mist I was is surprised. Stephen King's best. I don't know. I just, I mean, it wasn't bad. I just, it was just meh. I mean, it's just a short story too. It's not even a full novel. So yeah. I actually forgot. Um, I had said when we were when we had Dana on that I, I didn't read any of his mm-hmm. novels, but I did. I read Misery. I had forgot. Oh. I, I read Misery a long time ago and I really enjoyed it. Okay. From what I remember. Um, yeah. but I've always wanted to read um Stephen King's The Shining. Mm. So maybe now that you're into your little horror, maybe you'd, you'd want to read that. Maybe, yeah. But please give me a while. Because okay. <laughs> I need to recover from we'll horror do it. novels. We'll do it next October. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of trauma involved in reading these. And, you know, you have to sit there and you have to read all of this yeah. traumatic stuff. And so you need like... You need a palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah, I was just telling you this earlier that after reading this and the book we'll be reviewing next week, Mary, An Awakening of Terror, I was like, I need like a light, fluffy, fun read to like get me out of this emotion that I'm feeling. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just you're in for a trip when we talk about Mary Awakening of Tara. That's all I have to say. Yeah. All right. Just enjoy going to the bathroom now because if you're going to read that book, you might not want to after. <laughs> that might sound weird, but it'll make sense next week. I yeah. I did just want to say real quick regarding Needless Street, it did make me feel all the feels. I did feel almost every emotion while reading this book. There were points where I laughed out loud with Olivia. There were points where I was almost crying with Ted. There were parts where I was angry with Dee. And it just, I just felt so much while reading this book. And I, I think cry. that, yeah. Yeah, Ted. yeah. Yeah. One time I got choked up and I didn't cry, but then at the end, there was a mm. section where he was talking, I think to the new psychiatrist and I got a little yeah. choked up for him. And yeah. I did care about him. So that's, yeah. that's what you want when you read. All right. So there you have it. That's the last house on Needless Street. <laughs> We had a <laughs> Just a reminder to stay after the episode for some bloopers and bonus content. All right. So we talked a little bit about this in our snack time today. But since it's the end of the month, we wanted to give you a rundown of the books that we'll be reading and reviewing in November in case you guys wanted to get these books and follow along with us. So here's what to expect. On November 7th, we'll be discussing the sequel to One Dark Window, Two Twisted Crowns by Rachel Gillig. Can't wait. 
<laughs> on November 14th, we'll be discussing Belladonna by Adeline Grace. Then on November 21st and November 28th, we'll be discussing the highly anticipated sequel to Fourth Wing, Iron Flame. Oh, yeah. So excited. And don't, for don't forget that there's Thursday episodes in between as well. So we'll be discussing that book quite a bit. Yeah. And our November book of the month will be There There by Tommy Orange, which will air on November 29th. And then we'll also continue to release bonus odes and announce the next book and date in the coming weeks. Next Tuesday, October 31st, we'll be reading and reviewing Mary, An Awakening of Terror by Nat Cassidy. So join us for our first spooky special episode for our thoughts on the horror novel. And join us again tomorrow, October 26th, for another potty episode. Don't forget to mark your calendar for our next book of the month episode, which will air on Wednesday, November 29th. We'll be reading and discussing Tommy Orange's contemporary fiction novel, There, There. If you haven't read the upcoming books but would like to, head on over to the link in our bio and get a copy for yourself so that you can participate in future discussions. You don't pay anything extra, but if you make a purchase using our link, we get a small commission. So thank you so much for supporting us. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you would leave a positive review on Spotify, Apple, or whichever streaming service you use. We would really appreciate it also if you could spread the word by telling friends and family about our podcast. And of course, we want to say thank you to all of our listeners. We really appreciate each and every one of you. Yep. We also want to remind everyone to be on the lookout for our live events on TikTok. Yep, we'll be doing some live events soon, and we will post upcoming dates on our socials. If you're just tuning in, this is what you can expect from our podcast. We're going to be releasing new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. So be sure to check out our socials for updates and also some bonus content. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and other platforms. Click on the link in our bio for access to all of our socials, our website, and other links. We encourage you to reach out to us with thoughts, ideas, questions, and feedback. You can email us at bookswithcooks at gmail.com. You can also find our full book reviews on Goodreads. These links will also be available at the link in bio. If no one told you today, you're important and valued. You belong here. You're doing great. And we believe in you. Now let's turn the page and put a fork in it. Because we're done with this one. Right, so for our book of the month episode, we're gonna borrow a game from our potty sods. We're gonna play a food-related rapid fire round. So for today's rapid fire, we're going to be doing horror movies. Makes Wait, sense. We have to re-say that because this is not food-related. I just realized that it said that a food-related rapid fire round. Don't horror eat movies. Your, don't eat your horror movies. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even read it because I I usually just leave that each one. <laughs> Hera, uh, Hera, Hera. Horror movies I wanna share all of this. Different stages in my marriage where Will and I decided we were not together. Say another motherfucking word and this shit is over. And I ain't playing no I thought it was a skit. Like from where I was sitting. 
you couldn't tell. I couldn't tell that it didn't look like Will hit Chris. <laughs> shut the fuck shut. where we didn't, you know, we didn't tell the public, right? Where I was actually thinking about divorcing, separating. I mean, there have been several of those, right? Oh, shut the f Did I say no? I'm, oh, sh say it again. Say something else. Oh, say something else. Say something else, nigga. Like, from where I was sitting... You couldn't tell. I couldn't tell that it didn't look like Will hit Chris. Shut the fuck up! Did I say no? I'm, oh shit! Say it again. Say something else. Oh. Thanks for listening to my mommy and me and Alex. Bye.